Welcome once again to the Conversations That Matter podcast. I'm your host, John Harris. We're going to talk about something that many of you have messaged me about over the last few days. So I am this, responding to that to some extent. This is a listener-generated episode, but I have my own curiosity, I will admit, about what's happening in Kentucky right now. There is a revival, at least that's what some people are calling it, at Asbury University, historically uh, Methodist school, I believe, Methodist uh training center for pastors. And I am not in Kentucky, as many of you know, but I have friends all over the country. And so I'm grateful to be joined uh, by both pastors, Jerry Doris and Austin Keeler. That's not Keller, it's Keeler. And they are both uh, familiar with this. They've they've attended this particular uh, revival uh, so what it's called a revival. I don't know if I want to call it that yet. Maybe we'll see what happens at the end of the episode. But um, actually, right now, uh, Pastor Keeler is in his car. It's a rainy day, so he can't be outside, but he's in the parking lot right now uh, for uh, Asbury University or Asbury Seminary. So, um, hey, guys, I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good. I want to say one more thing before we jump into this, because I know you mentioned it to me, but um, if you like what you hear in this podcast, and if you're in the area, the Tennessee or uh, Kentucky rather area, then you might want to check out uh, the church that both Pastor Doris and Pastor Keeler are part of in Shelbyville. They have actually a conference coming up, a family conference, and you can go to ReformationWarRoom.com. It's uh, next weekend, ReformationWarRoom.com. And uh, so you guys must be busy. I'm sure you are. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a busy day even today. Um, actually, tomorrow we have a, a bill of abolition being put forward, and I'll be speaking on the Capitol lawn uh, to put that forward. It's uh, HB 300, and uh, we're hoping that we can have equal protection for preborns. And then just a few hours ago, the uh, Kentucky Supreme Court uh, upheld the trigger laws so that we are no longer uh, feeling like we're going to have to go down. We won't have to go down to the abortion clinic, something that Austin and I and other pastors at Rep Church have have done on the daily for uh, years uh, there. So a lot is going on. Wow. Yeah. When I ever see social media posts from you, uh, Pastor Doris, they are, I'm just amazed at where you are and what you're doing. And and you guys are certainly impacting your local community, which I praise God for. Um, Revival. (laughs) You want to see it. I want to see it. You're working in all these ways that you just mentioned a little bit of uh, to bring people into the throne room, as they say, to, to have an encounter with the Lord of the universe, to repent of their sins, to be in a right relationship with Jesus be justified by Christ. I mean, all these these things that we are seeking would be fulfilled if a revival truly broke out. And I think I would love for this to be a legitimate revival. So I'm hoping you're just going to tell me right now that what you saw is a is a true, authentic, biblical revival, and we, sh- we should all go to Kentucky. But I'm feeling like you're not going to do that. So um Austin, why don't we start with you since you're there right now? You were just inside, I'm assuming. What's it like right now? Is it is it repentance? Is it testimonies? Is it singing? What's going on? Well, it's been going on for I think eight days now, um, and 
Pastor Jerry and I were there for just several hours yesterday and only uh, in the chapel itself for two and a half hours. Um, today, I was in one of the overflow chapels um, for the last hour. It's an overflow chapel that is across the street from Hughes Auditorium. That is um, the main gathering place. And uh, right now, there was about, um, as I was waiting in line outside Hughes and then was redirected to the Overflow Chapel, there was about an hour of singing. And then there was, uh, they read uh, John 15. And, um, and then there were some testimonies and then more singing. Um, and that's the general gist of, I guess, the order of service right now. So I want to show um, a video that Pastor Doris uh, sent to me. I'm assuming you were there as well, uh, Pastor Keeler, for this. But it's a video of a testimony that you both saw. And just to give people a sample of what's going on there, um, let me see if I can bring it up for everyone here. This is, uh, let's see here, looks like, there it is. All right, can you all see that? Yeah, we can. Yeah. All right. I'm going to play it. This is Sydney. Hi, everyone. My name is Sydney Peterson, and I'd like to just start with saying that this is actually a really hard thing for me to share, but I'm sharing because I think that God really wants to use my testimony to free people from similar burdens and similar shame that I had. I want to show you guys that like it's possible and that it's something I'm not ashamed of, and I'm, you know, just, I really feel loved by God, and I really want to share with you guys. Mommy. So, um, about last year, I had a lot of lies spoken over me about my sexuality, and I was told that that was my identity, and that that was who I was, and I just had so much shame about it, I thought that it was something I could never <coughs> escape, and that lies would just follow me to every part of my life that I tried to pursue, and... Then I went to this camp called, like, Commission. It's with Kona YWAM. Okay, so for those who could hear, I know there was a lot of room noise and it sounded like there was a baby by you, 
when you were recording that. But I think everyone could hear that that was a testimony to being delivered in some sense from from a sexual confusion. Um, Pastor Doris, what do you make of that? Um, well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled that she uh, feels like she's liberated from whatever those things are. Um, what you don't see in that video is moments before an admonition to by one of the one of the professors who's up there speaking to make your testimony about Jesus and make it current, make it something that has happened now. Not one of the testimonies that we heard were centrally about Jesus. That one, Jesus was not mentioned at any point in that. And one thing that it was true of all of the testimonies that we heard, and again, this is just the two and a half hours that we were there. I don't know that this is true of the entire thing, but it is representative to me. That wasn't current. That wasn't something that's been happening because revival is happening. She's not like been set free by anything. These are just testimonies that happened to her over a year ago. And every single one of the other testimonies that we heard were like that. It's not relevant to anything that's happening at the actual, um, you know, the, the, the supposed uh, revival that's happening here. But I, I would expect if you're going to talk about the power of Christ to set you free from sexual sin, that you would, you would at least mention the name of Jesus. And we didn't hear that. Now, the context of that, I think, is probably Jesus. I, and I don't imagine she's doing this outside of that. And so, you know, I would, obviously I would give her a lot of leeway, but that, that's fairly typical. Jesus was not exalted in that testimony. Yeah, uh, I would agree with you. I um, went online to see if I could just watch some videos as well. And I, I listened to the first sermon that was preached that apparently kicked this whole thing off. And there's a lot of good things in the sermon. I didn't see any heresy from what I listened to. But I, the emphasis was very similar to the testimony that we just played, where uh, people have problems, they're broken, they're hurting which is true, the effects of sin. He doesn't say sin, I don't believe. He doesn't talk about hell. He doesn't talk about God's wrath. Uh, he doesn't talk about uh, Christ, the justification in Christ. He just talks about how some of us are hypocrites. And then when you think he's getting towards that cliff of repentance, he kind of turns around and does this, uh, everyone's hurting, and if you're broken, if you're hurting, then um, God is with you. He hears you, and, and it very therapeutic. And the other videos that I was watching seemed to fit in with that, like a lot of singing, um, re repetition, uh, nothing wrong with singing songs, but it, it seemed like it was just one flavor. And historically, revivals and biblically have an element of repentance in them. What do you think, um, Pastor Keeler, about that? I mean, is, is there something lacking in this? Or do you think it's a legitimate revival, but there's just there's elements of maybe watered down doctrine present. Well, I, I want to remain hopeful and, and I know that the Lord uh, by his spirit can do work um, with uh, messy means. Um, but I think what we heard in that, in that clip that is uh, common uh, about with, with what's going on here um, is that, Sin uh, is something that we are victimized by mm -hmm. rather than something that we have done against God. And so um, if it's depression, 
it's a spirit of depression that's attacking me. If it's uh, if if it's anything else, it's something that has come against me um, that is hindering me from a closer relationship with God that needs to be prayed away. Is not to um, get into denominational politics here, but is it more? Is it people from the university? Is it? more word of faith type people who are coming from long distances because they heard there was a revival is, I mean, are there reform people that what, what's the makeup of this audience? I'm just curious. So um, there are staff and faculty that are leading it, that are taking us through the transitions of service. Um, I was just uh, in there and they had a, a moment where young people, I think today they seem to be focusing on people 25 and under. Um, that's just the general focus of, of everything, it seems. Um, they invited young people to come up and read portions of Scripture um, and also allowed for exhortations along along with that um, Scripture. Um, but I'm sorry, what was the question? Well, I was just wondering the denominational makeup. I know that uh, there are certain flavors of Christianity right. that are much more... Um, let's say, willing to travel, to go to a revival, uh, yeah. word of faith people in particular? I think every I think every person that I heard get up and speak was not from Asbury today. In so, terms of so, testimonies, yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of people who are, um, who are, who are here from out of state. When we were in line, there was, uh, we were in line with a word of faith church. Um, and then one thing I'll, I'll add that we're hearing in all the worship leaders, and this may just be uh, something that's true of most charismatic uh, groups, is the what's called the territory view of spiritual warfare, as opposed to the truth view, and um, uh, the truth view being the biblical view that we're in a we're in a spiritual warfare for truth in the hearts and minds of individuals, and uh, and where sin is is actual sin against a righteous and holy God. Uh, whereas the territory view, is, as Austin described it, is that uh, sin is something imposed on me and uh, it's done to me. So, uh, Austin, I think you were telling me just a minute ago, you heard them uh, uh, casting out the spirit of depression or anxiety, because uh, if you're experiencing uh, depression or anxiety, then that's caused by a territorial spirit that has caused you know caused that to happen in your life so therefore you must bind them you're not being anxious the spirit upon you is causing you to be anxious is effectively what happens sin is deferred so it's not something i repent of it's something that i have to cast out or i have to be freed from uh, by christ that's interesting because that parallels some things I've been focusing on with Tim Keller because he does that with sin as well, mm -hmm. and it's very appealing to postmodern people. Um, and I think, and that's why Keller does it. Uh, I want to just address this because Reform people, especially, get a really bad rap, right? And you're you're a Reformation church, so uh, the rap we get is that we don't actually think the spirit can move that we don't believe in miracles or revival that um we're automatically the skepticism comes right up whenever we hear about the holy spirit moving and i don't want to be that and i yeah. don't think either of you are that and so i want to hear maybe we'll start with you um uh jerry what are you i, I know austin you said too that you were hopeful about this but jerry um talk about 
how we should approach this without being, you know, too stuffy and skeptical, but at the same time discerning. Yeah. Well, let me dispel that. Hopefully is that um, I think the reform tradition has a very robust and a better view of the Holy Spirit. We do not see the Holy Spirit as principally uh, something that I seek for an experience or to have some sort of a buzz effectively. Uh, I was saved out of the, the charismatic movement. I was a tongue speaker for 15 years before I uh, put my tongues up against what the scriptures would teaching in terms of what tongues was and just recognize it was a work of my flesh. So I say that uh, because I, I want to say this. Um, so for the next three weeks, I have actually been teaching on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. The minute, And then this last Sunday, uh, I was teaching on the ministry of the Holy Spirit and listed 26 things that the Holy Spirit does in the believer's life, uh, from convicting them of sin to uh, regenerating them, illuminating the scriptures to him, uh, to teaching him things that we, if we think about it, we all believe these things, but we need to be reminded of just how robust uh, the work of the Holy Spirit is in our life before salvation and after salvation. And one of the principal things that the Holy Spirit does is that he convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. That was what Jesus principally said that he was going to do, uh, and, and that is done in the world. So when we see revival, we must see repentance. We must see turning away from sin. And that's what I'm concerned about with this is that repentance isn't turning away from sin. Repentance, if, if there is any, is that I am being freed from some sort of uh, oppressive thing. That's the, 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 the poor life that I've had, the uh, trauma that I've experienced. That's something that seems very pervasive in this Gen Z and in an even younger generation that's here is that uh, trauma is so big in their life. They all think they have experienced trauma. And that's not to deny that they haven't, because I know many have. Uh, but they all think in terms of that, that I've, I have been traumatized. I'm a victim. And so the gospel has morphed for this particular generation into let Jesus come and invade your life and save you from your victimization. That's well said. Um, Pastor Keeler, you were hopeful you said about this. So I'm not trying to press you to come down on one side or the other, but um, I'm assuming you agree with what Pastor Doris just said. With you being there right now, I mean, what's the hope that you have? I mean, if, if you're not seeing a lot of in the way of repentance, um, and, and in fact, I, I'm ignorant about this. I don't know if they're doing any baptisms or if there's any. You know, I don't think so at this point. Okay. Uh, is your hope then that, that it would transition more to that? Well, I, I think that um, coming coming into this place yesterday, I, I had concerns and I had expect uh, or, or things I was encouraged about. Um, so I, I was uh, concerned that Todd Bentley was allowed to to come in, who is just a just an awful, awful, dangerous, uh, false teacher. Um, and he was allowed to come in and worship. I had concerns um, because we were uh, receiving reports from people who have been there that the gospel was not being um, presented with any clarity, uh, with any weight. And so what I would hope to see is the word of God being made much of, the word of God being revered. 
uh, the Word of God being preached uh, robustly. Um, yesterday, we didn't we didn't hear any of that. Um, today, as I said, there has been some scripture reading, and and honestly, even the song selection today was better. There was um, there were gospel elements in the songs that were being sung, and I I gave you some of the um, the order of worship earlier that that we were. Uh, they were they were going through and but even in the midst in the in the midst of that um you know people were asked to to stand up and confess that they've been striving to bear fruit instead of being attached to the vine and then the the leader there who was the guy who preached the sermon that kicked all this off um just included and if you're embarrassed to stand if you're a pastor or leader and you're embarrassed to stand i cast out the spirit of embarrassment uh, in Jesus' name, um, and so there, there's a lot of, of that kind of thing being mixed into the uh, testimonies, the singing. But 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 my hope would be that the the word of God would be revered. Um, is there a, a prayer going on, like a, a public prayer, corporate prayer? Um, I I am sure that there is. I, I think. Um, I think that is that's sprinkled in there. Um, yeah. Okay. That's one of the things I know Leonard Ravenhill talked about uh, prayer being the the foundation for these moves of the Holy Spirit um, when they happen. And thinking back through history, whether it's the Welsh revival or the Great Awakening, the First Great Awakening, it seems like what, and this isn't biblical. I'm just saying historically, what happens is that there is a conviction that takes hold of people and it starts in the church and it's one of the things that's interesting to me about this is it's starting in not a church it's a chapel for a seminary right so generally revival starts in the church and then works it its way outward and people are on their face i mean afraid you know the fear of the lord and then the love of the lord overtakes them as they realize they're forgiven of their sin and um this is the reaction you see to like jonathan edwards sermon sinners in the hands of an angry god i mean he apparently just read that straight faced that's that's at least the legend and without any inflection people were fearful that they were going to endure god's wrath that they didn't have christ and i was this sermon was contrasted so much with that it's more it's man-centered more so and so um i i that, that's the historical, but I'd like to hear maybe the biblical, uh, either of you. I mean, what do you think the Bible would tell us a revival is? So when we see it, we know what it is. There are two good examples. One is obviously the book of Jonah. And then you also have chapter 19 of the book of Acts. Uh, in Jonah, you have uh, him preaching. Uh, the word of the Lord. It's not a. It's not a long message. It's simply yet forty days, and Nineveh will be destroyed. And uh, God brings about repentance. You see the entire city come under conviction and, and take on sackcloth and ashes. Uh, then you have the the picture in Acts. There's actually a couple of them, but I'll just focus on the one where. Uh, in chapter 19, where uh, the preaching of the gospel is done, and then people are burning their books. So there's this massive public repentance of, uh, I think it says 50,000 uh, pieces of silver were uh, uh, worth of books were, were put away. So there's going to be public repentance. It's not going to be just um, 
Um, it's not psychosomatic uh, 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 repentance or healings from trauma. It's, it's going to be something tangible. Um, something you just said I want to go back to, but in terms of prayer, there is prayer that's happening. There is a lot of prayer. Uh, it centers around prayer, but it's not, um, it's prayer that I had some discomfort uh, engaging in because it's all centered around the territory view where you've got to cast out this or that. And you, you hit on something I also want to mention is that they're struggling with this uh, tension between being a chapel for a uh, for for the school system there and also being a church. So one of the the um, the professors as he stands up there, he says, you know, the, he, he's wanting us to to be healed. Uh, we've all had to, if people were to stand up if they had any kind of he, healing issues and they wanted to be healed. And then he says, you know, the scriptures teach us that if you are sick, you're to go to your elders and they're going to anoint you with oil and then the prayer and faith is going to heal you. And then he says. Then he caught himself realizing that he can't do any of that. And so he says, but uh, we're just going to have your per, the person next to you is going to lay their hands on you. And they're going to uh, pray that uh, you would receive healing. So they're, they're struggling under the tension of, of even where they're at. Can they baptize? Can they, uh, can they do any of those kind of things? They, they don't have the authority to do those things. Yeah. Wow. That's a good point. Um... And I haven't heard anyone else bring that out, that this isn't technically a church. So so is it a church like on Sunday and then it's a chapel the rest of the week or it's, it's only a chapel? It's okay. a chapel. Gotcha. Um, other other thoughts that you have that have come to mind that you want to share, because uh, I could probably ask you questions all day and we could talk about this, but I, you, you were there. so Yeah, well, just to go back, I was disappointed that they did not end this on saturday or saturday night and say everybody go to your local church no way you know that that didn't happen and so i wish that it had really um yeah i mean so so during services they were still going in the chapel that's my understanding yes huh okay yeah that is interesting um i one of the things that marks revivals of the past is it reorients people even politically i mean in very deep social ways. Some people, historians say that we wouldn't have had a, an American war for independence if there wasn't a first great awakening. I mean, it's that level of um, bar shutting down, right? We wouldn't have strip clubs open anymore. There would be more responsibility. Things would look cleaner. I mean, it just has such a an effect on the places that experience it. And that to me would be the the evidence if this is a true revival then we're going to see that right and and we're going to see an immediate effect but we're also going to see years down the line uh an effect that more people are in the churches on sunday morning that so that i haven't seen evidence of any of that yet um and and i know this is kind of early perhaps but uh yeah (laughs) i'm I'm hopeful Or you might see the school itself abandoning prior positions on egalitarianism, on uh, critical theory, LGBT issues that they have historic that they're wrestling with right now. There would be some unified repentance from a school uh, system. Uh, This the issue of abortion in the state of Kentucky. You would have this. uh, You would have some changes that were happening. But anyways, I don't want to put too much on it because this is it. Uh, Let's be fair to to this. There are some good testimonies coming from this. I have a, a young uh, friend 
who was asking me earlier this week about going once he heard that Todd Bentley, he ended up going twice to this. And the Lord has has uh, helped him to see sin in his life. And he has confessed it. He just wrote a, a, a testimony on my own uh, Facebook here. And so I'm encouraged by that. But what I recognize about him is that he has a solid foundation theologically as he goes to this. And so he is connecting uh, theological dots with truth uh, that he knows. Uh, and so that he's going to have a different experience from this. So um, that, that's what I would say there. Yeah. yeah. That, go ahead. I can piggyback off that, Jerry. Uh, um, I have no doubt, actually, that, that God is, is going to, to do good work among, among his people at, at an event like this. So I don't want to disparage the, the, whole, the whole thing or condemn the whole thing in any way like that. But um, what I have noticed is um, several things from being here and from my interactions with people online. Um, the first and, and obvious one that we have touched on that people don't seem to know uh, what the gospel is exactly. There isn't much gospel clarity. And so I, um, I pointed out in a, in a, in a video um, that the, this is the gospel of trauma healing, that this is the gospel of uh, you have experienced hurt and pain and trauma, and Jesus loves you right where you're at, right where you are. Jesus is healing wounded hearts. That's the gospel. Um, if I could quote somebody from yesterday, the gospel is that your parts are not the point. The hard parts of your life or the difficult parts of your life that you uh, tend to identify with are, are not the point. The point is Jesus, and that's the gospel. Um, that that's that's concerning, right? That there is no gospel clarity, and the pushback that I receive um, after pointing that out um, included a, a few things. One, uh, many people expressing that because this is a gathering of believers, because revival is for believers, they'd say uh, they don't need the gospel. I've had many dozens of, of um, and more people say that the gospel isn't needed for believers. The gospel is for the lost, which really makes you question one's understanding of the gospel. I'm a believer. I definitely need the gospel. I need the gospel every day of my life. Uh, I need to preach it to myself every day. I need it every Sunday morning. I need it in every, every sermon that I hear from the pulpit. Another thing that I... Um, uh, uh, take from it is that people are discerning the validity of this movement as a move of God based upon how they feel the spirit. They, they're testing it by how they personally, subjectively feel the spirit. I've had people say to me, lots of people say to me, um, that they not even being at Asbury, but watching it through the live stream, this is a move of God. I watched it on the live stream and I felt the spirit. And so they're measuring God's presence, God's blessing based upon how they feel internally. Um, and then, of course, when you point out um, any of the um, shenanigans, you might say, um, charismatic leaning sorts of things that um, that are happening during these services, like yesterday, when, when, when the worship leader asked me to lay my hands on the person next to me and impart dreams and visions to them, I got a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, and when you point those things out, 
the pushback is you're putting God in a box. Who are you to say how the spirit moves? And the answer is, well, God's given us a box. It's called the scripture. And we, we aren't to go beyond that. Um, but unfortunately, it does seem like cries for extra biblical special revelation are um, have been uh, much of the focus of these services. How far are people coming from? Did you meet people from like California or I mean, how far? I think the furthest I've heard um, is like Montana. Montana. So. Is it possible you think to categorize this then as something that could be positive, but we wouldn't at this point put it in the category of revival that this is a i don't know a i don't know what you would call it if it's not revival but it, a sustained worship service that ever that people are uh, attracted to so asbury has a history of trying to do this uh, as you've talked to other students that have gone there so just so we know everybody knows we we are an hour away from asbury we have church members who are uh, students or have been students at Asbury. And then I know uh, quite a few others. Uh, Austin has family members that are from uh, Asbury. So it's a school that we're integrated with. There's a history of this elongated service and then trying to drum it up into being a, uh, a revival. I have no doubt that uh, people genuinely responded to the initial message wanted to linger in the presence of the Lord, be prayed for. And then uh, I think it's been co-opted now. What maybe started organically and maybe was kind of the the, the culture of Asbury uh, was immediately announced on social media that revival has broken out. And then it videos are st starting to show. And now uh, if I could co coin a new phrase, I think we have a rubberneck revival where people are coming to see what is happening and and so they're not real they're not being drawn by the holy spirit now there are some that that feel like they have to go to a specific location in order to experience uh god and uh you know uh, i was hoping you'd tell me whether it was in the mountain or in jerusalem where we should worship right yeah exactly uh <laughs> we, we this isn't we know the truth is is that we can worship him wherever we can repent of our sins right where we are uh, but I, I think what we're seeing is a rubberneck revival at this point. It may have started well, and uh, and there may and, and God is going to use it. I believe that. Uh, hey, anytime, uh, anytime there's reading the scriptures or there's this kind of gathering, people are going. God is going to meet them, and He's going to bring about repentance. And and uh, you know, I, I'm for that. I want that. Uh, I hope that other students and other schools elsewhere, they are broken in repentance, but I hope it's real repentance. Yeah. And there, sure there's, oh, go ahead. People, there are sincere people genuinely worshiping the Lord. 100%. Yep. Yeah, and I, I would hope and I would assume that there's going to be some real conversion experiences that come out of this, of people who maybe were curious, saw it on social media, showed up, and then someone explained to them enough of the true gospel that the Holy Spirit did a work there. So, um, so yeah, I'm in the same boat. I don't want to discount all of it, but I, I, I want to be careful of saying that this is like the revivals of the past or like yeah. the biblical revival uh, and, and, and withhold that, you know, for now at least. Um, advice that either of you have for uh, Christians who might attend there. Uh, I don't know. I, I have someone in particular I'm thinking of who 
it's kind of like the hurricane watchers, you know, or the tornado watchers when they hear on the news that there's a storm, they rush to it. Right. So I know someone like that when they hear revival and there's been many so-called revivals, at least over the last two decades, you know, they're they're in their car. They're they're rushing there um, because I think what you said, uh, Pastor Doris, they want to be in the presence of God, which is a very legitimate desire. But what advice do you have for people who have that desire and they're driving to Asbury? Uh, what would you tell them if they want to be in the presence of God? Well, I would have them go to church uh, and seek that they would fall on their face where they're at. Um, that the Lord will meet them there. Uh, we do not need to be in a specific location uh, to experience uh, the a work of the Spirit in our life. Get in, get in the Word. Seek Him in the Word. Uh, go before your elders. Ask them. Call your elders to pray for you if you're spiritually dry. Uh, these are things that um, happen regularly at Reformation Church. Uh, I'll be honest with you. We feel like revival is happening in a Reformation Church uh, because lives are being changed. We have baptisms this weekend. We have people that are confessing sin and uh, are turning away from sin. We have people that have new desire for the word. And so I would encourage you to stay home. Uh, but you know, if you go, I can tell you where to park, but it's a show uh, at this point. Yeah, I hear you. Is it hard to find parking with everyone who's there? I mean, the chapel looks flooded in the videos I see. I found parking pretty easily. There's, there's Did you? Okay. Yeah, I, I, I guess it, it ranges uh, depending on what time of day, because my understanding is they're going through the night as well. Yeah, um, I think they are. I, I saw a clip um that they announced that at 1 a.m. in the morning, they're going to shut it down and resume at, I think he said, noon the next day. I think someone reported that that announcement was given. The professors are getting tired. <laughs> they're, I mean, I would assume that that's, they got to clean it at some point. There's probably those kinds of... Yeah concerns i would add this the the staff at at uh, asbury like the ushers and they, they've got a they've got a very nice system in place so they really are caring for people you could if you're sitting there they're going to bring you water or even food if you need it uh they're very generous there's people giving away free food uh there so there's there's a I, I'm encouraged by by those kind of things that I mm -hmm. see the body of Christ wanting to minister to other Christians that are coming into town. And so I, I was encouraged by those. things. Yeah. All right. Well, last, maybe we'll land the plane on this last thing I wanted to bring up. Um, Pastor Doris, you posted a video on your Facebook page of someone. I don't know if you saw them there or if you just found this online who had apparently talked to three queer people in attendance yeah. and was very hopeful that this revival was going to change the church's opinion on CRT and LGBT acceptance. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting that he could get that impression from the event, um, which if that is pervasive, it's obviously there's a problem, but it sounds like that's just the opinion of a few. Uh, I mean, you didn't see anything that was softening to those sins, I'm assuming, right? Well, if there's no preaching of the law and no true call to repentance, no identification of sin, you're going to feel pretty comfortable in that environment. I think that's why the, they would feel comfortable is that they're not called to, you know, to, to uh, 
confess that um, pursuing a sexual identity outside of the biological sex that God has given you is actually sin and that you're in rebellion to, to your creator. So they're not going to hear that. They're going to hear that, you know, you were born this way or that, that this has been imposed on you by your environment. As that girl said in her testimony, I was believing lies. Lies were being spoken to me and now those have been released. It, right. it wasn't her sinning against God by entertaining those thoughts. So I can see where uh, where the LGBT community would um, uh, feel accepted or okay. And, and obviously, as Christians, uh, the LGBT community is welcome to come in my church and sit and hear the preaching of the Word of God, just as much as an adulterer, a thief, any other sinner that has an identified sin can sit in the congregation. We would never say, well, you're a, you're a certain kind of sinner. You cannot come here you're going to fall under hopefully the conviction of the Holy Spirit and be confronted or talked to by other people that have been freed from those particular sins. Even in our church, we have those that uh, come from that type of a background, but that's who they were. That's not who they are. And so, uh, yeah, I, I can see where they might, but we also keep in mind, we don't know who this guy is. We don't know if what he's saying is actually truthful or not, but he does claim that there are uh, um, LGBT uh people that are openly LGBT at Asbury that feel comfortable and that there was a specific time identified by them, uh, which was midnight to three o'clock in the morning where the LGBT was specifically welcome to come and be prayed for. Interesting. Well, um, that is helpful. I don't know if either of you have final thoughts you want to share. Anything you want to say? Um, I, I would, um, I, I'm praying that the that the gospel is 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 made central, um, and, and that people hear it and believe it. Um, when I was in the chapel for that hour there, uh, right before I left to come come get on this, one of the uh, staff members, a professor, uh, dean, or whoever she is, said, "Let's take a moment and preach the gospel to one another." And then she said, "So turn to your neighbor and say." God loves you and has a plan for your life. And uh, I think that uh, I think that pretty much sums up the the clarity and the depth of the gospel that's being presented here. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. It is a seminary. I mean, that is the place where you would you'd think there would be people who could get deep with on the gospel and maybe there is. Um, well, I appreciate both of you weighing in on this. Again, uh, reformationwarroom.com for anyone who's interested in going to the, is it in the Shelbyville area, I'm assuming, where you're hosting this? It's in Baghdad, Kentucky, which is about 20 minutes from here. So anyone who wants to go to Baghdad. Uh, Correct. Bag, is it spelled the same, Baghdad? Uh, I think there might be. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. It is real. Wow. Okay, interesting. So if you want to go to Baghdad, Kentucky for a family event, uh, check out reformationwarroom.com. Um Reformation Church Shelbyville is where Pastor Doris and Pastor Keeler serve. Thank you once again, guys. I know your time is short, and giving us some of it to shed light on this is very helpful. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. Yeah, God bless. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.